Welcome to the Encounter YA podcast, helping young adults follow Jesus. Here's your host, Garrett Cars. Welcome to episode three of the podcast and part two of our interview with John Vermilia. Last episode, we covered the importance of connecting to a church and discovering our calling. This week, John discusses Jesus's prayer request and how we can be an answer to it, as well as some recommended resources and how to connect with him more. We hope you love today's episode with John Vermilia. That's what I think that's what we've done with Christianity, though, in some ways, is we've turned it into this professional thing. I know that's something that you talk about in your in your message, your domino message. And for just for the people that are listening to the podcast, we'll have a link uh, to that in our show notes as well. Um, so you guys can listen to it or check it out on our YouTube page um, just so that you guys can have some context to what we're talking about. But I just think we've turned Christianity into this professional thing, and it goes right along with, with what we've been talking about this entire time, is there are some people who are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And and so I think that this is really just changing our whole perspective, is that it's everything's ministry. God is calling everyone to do it. We're all pastors and ministers of the gospel, and it doesn't matter where you are and and what you are called or quote-unquote not called or whatever it is, but start somewhere. Start with the person in front of you. If you're married, start with your spouse, start with your kids. It doesn't have to be this huge thing where you're Billy Graham preaching to 50,000 people. Start preaching to yourself. Start yeah. preaching. That's yeah. probably where we should yeah. start. Yeah. Oh, and, bro, well, well, just, I mean, there's war stories from the from the local church. A guy will come up to me and he'll be like, you know, this is before we started a men's ministry. Or a guy from another church will come up to me and say, man, I wish we had a men's ministry at our church. I'm a man and there's really nothing for men and I'm really passionate about that. And it really makes me mad because the pastor and the staff, they don't have time. And so I don't think they care about men. And, you know, what can I do to get my church excited about a men's ministry? And my response always ticks them off just a little bit or most of them because I'm like, start one. Well, I can't because, you know, I got this. And it was like, well, you were going to go to it. Why don't you just run one? Well, how do I do it? Call a couple dudes that want to have a men's ministry and start meeting at Starbucks or start meeting in the man cave. You know, how about you, you just do that and then just see what happens and then invite other people to it and then start a men's ministry just by ministering to men? You know, so, you you know, you were talking about, and I'm giving some of the domino message away. There's another scripture uh, that shaped my life profoundly. Matthew chapter 9. It's the famous, you know, Jesus saw the crowds, and Jesus is in professional ministry, let's be honest. And he, it says he looks at the crowds, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says something that we don't see anywhere else that Jesus says in the Bible. He gives his disciples, and by default us, a prayer request. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. There's a prayer request. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into his harvest field. And you can interpret that as, oh, we need more preachers and worship leaders that are tattooed and sing really well and have cool hair. Um, and I love worship leaders. I'm not ripping on them, but more professional people. Send us more Annikas with organizational leadership to make Encounter awesome. Uh, no, he said to send me more workers. And the translation is like a day laborer, like a temp person, like a gopher on a construction site. So here Jesus is saying that the world's greatest need 
is more workers. And he tells us to pray for it. So it's the only prayer request I ever see Jesus give us. And secondly, it's the only prayer request that we can answer. That Fort Hayes State students can answer Jesus' prayer request, and they don't need a job description. And he's, you know, he's not going to beg. No, that's, I think that's great. And I think that just we've given, like, hey, just start. Do something. Love the person in front of you. And I think that's just the most important thing. I think we're just waiting around for something big to happen and it just doesn't start that way. Billy Graham didn't preach his first message in front of 50,000 people in, in Seoul, Korea, South Korea. Nope. You know? Nope. And so just start some, starting somewhere, I think that's just the best, best advice that we can and, to give. And we can't devalue the impact of one. Yeah. One person. And you never know who's watching you. I don't know if I'll share this in the Domino message or not, but um, something really trippy happened to me. So I drive up to a city 20 minutes from where I live, and I have my kids with me, my two youngest, and we played putt-putt, and afterwards they want Taco Bell, and they're disasters because it has to be plain tacos, plain soft tacos with meat and cheese only, okay? So they're carnivores, and they don't like veggies, all right? So it's, it can't have lettuce, can't have anything else in it. So we go through the drive through I need six soft tacos, and I'm out and doing a Coca-Cola. Because I love my kids. Yes, they drink soda pop because we're Americans. And uh, and it's like just meat and cheese, just meat and cheese. Well, it's busy in the drive-thru. We get six tacos. I don't get out of the parking lot. And the kids are like, oh, Dad, there's lettuce, there's tomato, it's ruined. Oh, gosh. I got to listen to this all the way home. So I park the vehicle, leave the kids in, walk into Taco Bell. I'm a frustrated, in a hurry dad. And I'd like to say that I wasn't frustrated and that I'm just the most cool laid back cat on the planet. But I was, it's like Taco Bell, you know, you always regret it when you eat it, but it's all, (laughs) but it's like, can we, you had one job, meat and cheese is really what's going through my mind. But then I'm thinking, hey man, these Taco Bell people, they don't, you know, I deserve better is the root of all sin. And that's even going through my mind. So it's like, okay, this is going to take me five minutes. So I wait my turn in line, and then I go to the guy at the counter. I'm like, I'm really very sorry, but we, we, we asked just for plain tacos. Can we just get six of those? I'm sorry. You know, yeah, it looks like you guys are busy. Because that guy doesn't want to work at Taco Bell. He wants to own Amazon. <laughs> you know, He wants to work for Apple. He wants to be in the NFL, but he's working at Taco Bell. No offense to anyone who works at Taco Bell. But that guy deserves love and respect, even though it's tacos. And the guy's like, oh, very sorry, no problem, da-da-da-da. I get six soft tacos with meat and cheese. And I walk out. I find out a month later, somebody was watching me in that Taco Bell. A husband and a wife had come to our church, and all of a sudden, they see me coming in. They have a little kid. I don't, I don't know them. I don't, I've never seen them, but they know who I am, and they're watching. Let's see if this preacher's for real. Let's see if this preacher that, you know, up on stage talks a good game. Let's see, dude, he's going to just rip these people. And what they told their friend after is, that guy was legit. We're going to your church now. They just became members a year later. And it's like, what if I was the guy that's like, you had one job and you blew it, right? So you never know what the impact of, now, not to say if you screw up, 
because I've also heard, heard that. I've screwed up too much. God can never use me. My roommates know that I get drunk and or I had sex with my boyfriend or or girlfriend or and you know, I've cheated on that test, I stole, you know, and they're never gonna believe me. That's even a greater opportunity. Cause then you can talk to your friend and when they throw that in your face, you go, I know I'm jacked up too. But that's why I need Jesus. That's why I need the church. That's why there's grace. So you can call me a hypocrite, but what I tell people, you know, when, when they say, hey, I'd go to church, but it's full of hypocrites, I go, I know it is, and there's room for more. Come and join us, you know? <laughs> so, so it's about being intentional, intentional life of ministry wherever you're at, whether people are watching you or you're in conversations. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Uh, one of the things that we are going to try to do here on this podcast is talk about some, just some hard topics. And so I, I this always gets me in trouble. I know, but ask uh, Annika. She's she's smart over there. She knows what she's doing. Well, it, actually, I'm dominating. This is her turn. No, I'm, I'm going to take a break. It actually, kind of. I mean, it does involve you in some ways. But one of the things that uh, we wanted just to talk um, to you about, you actually had a message a long time ago. Warrior Princess. Mm-hmm. I can't. I uh, was it Ruth. I can't remember. Yep. yep, Ruth. We did a Ruth series. Yeah, so, which we can't I, find online for some reason. We're still. We've got it. We just haven't put it online. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but just this. I, for some reason, it's just always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It just has something that's always just stuck with me. Fun series, man. Well, and and it just. I think it shines light on like the biblical view of women, mm-hmm. where we haven't done a great job in the church of defining true mm-hmm. biblical womanhood or and even manhood in right. some ways and right. I don't know that we have enough time you know oh, I might... can give you a short ver- version but it but might do... open a can of worms for you I mean I can tell you what I believe <laughs> that's fine yeah I you're think, talking about think... women roles women men yep I think particularly that ministry fine. kind yeah, of the whole well thing? and just and just in general because I think that's something that and and even just in recent news, with everything going on oh, gotcha. and yep, everything yep. that is happening, I think it's something that is continually coming up in the news and Christian circles um, and general. Uh, so we'd just love to hear just sure. what. Yep. yep. Okay. So I was go back to the Bible, and I'm going to stand on what the Bible says. I don't believe in a hermeneutic. That's an interpretation of the Bible that believes that we're getting better and better and better. That, you know, Paul said some things and they're kind of hard to understand, but that's because it was a different time. And so now we know better. We know people are born this way. We know more about genetics. I say bull mangani. Sorry, that's a, that's a Michigan phrase for BS. People haven't changed since the garden. And what happened is in the garden, our choice, our first parents sinned, and there's a curse of sin. There's a curse of sin on men, and there's a curse of sin on women, and there's a curse on the enemy, the snake. And those curses are still in effect, not because God curses us and we have no hope of redemption, but because we face the consequences of sin and we live in light of the gospel reality. So I believe um, that God has both masculine and feminine characteristics, and I think that's been discounted. He, he, He identifies himself as a father, and we see the son come as a man, but we also have the Holy Spirit. God in and of himself as the Trinity is asexual. He's a being, right? The Lord is spirit, it says. Um, That being said, he's identified himself in masculine ways, but he also identifies in feminine ways. And so what we are trying to do with Ruth, for example, is when God created man, he created man first. I didn't make that up. That's what the Bible says. 
And then he decided it was not good for the man to be alone. So he said, I will make for him a helper. The translation is an azer or an ezer, depending on how you want to pronounce that word. I've talked to tons of women that is like, I don't want to be no help to no man. <laughs> Except they don't understand what the word azer means. A helper is more like an ally, an intimate ally if you're married. But every other place in Scripture, it uses the word azer. It refers to God in warfare helping Israel. And so I tell women all the time, uh, you don't want to be called a helper. That's one of the names of God. So what we have done with our curse, with our sin, is we have elevated one gender over another, and the battle for the sexes has lasted 6,000 years. What did he say to Eve? Because you took of the fruit, your desire will be for his place. And, and, and so many people are afraid to say it. The battle of the sexes started in Genesis 3, that she's not going to trust, that he's going to lord it over her, and then you, you have women that have been devalued, that have been marginalized, that have been exploited, that have been abused, and it just feeds this narrative. So fast forward to 2019, and in light of the entire gospel, I believe men and women have equal value before God. I also believe they have different roles to play, not everywhere, but especially in the home. And what God says about the home and what Paul teaches about the home in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, what he tells the Corinthians, um, there's some specific rules for the home that are supposed to be a man and a woman working together. So Ephesians chapter 5 does a great view of this. The man's job isn't to boss his home. The man's job is to sacrifice the way Christ did for the church. That's how he's supposed to love his wife. Husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So I tell men in pre-marriage counseling, hey, her job is um, to be your intimate ally, to be beautiful. You're to listen to her. She's to counsel you the same way the Holy Spirit counsels me. And, you know, you kind of, I don't want to go too far there, but the Holy Spirit has a lot of feminine characteristics, right? So really in a marriage, it says to the husbands, husbands, you're to love your wives the way Christ loved the church. I tell them, your job in the marriage, you get to die. You get to die, she gets to help. <laughs> and so you kind of have the woman is kind of the Holy Spirit in the marriage. And the man is, now they're both supposed to be like Christ because the Lord is one. I'm not saying, like, right. you can't take that metaphor yeah. too far. Right. Now the way it translates into the church I think women can teach. I think women can lead. I think women can preach. Now, you also have to be careful there, because what did Paul say? Paul was giving specific instructions to the Corinthians, and he says, there's one role that a woman can't have in the church. Now, this is where you... St now, this is my opinion. I'm not saying this is your church's opinion or Encounter's opinion or anything like this. I can have fellowship with people that disagree with me, but there's three views. There's the traditional view that women are to be seen and not heard. That devalues women. I don't believe it's biblical. And there's some very respected Bible teachers that have gone out there and, and done great disservice to the kingdom because they're so in that mindset, and they don't see it. But then you have this reactionary view that is the egalitarian view, that it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. If at any time Christians should stand for the difference between genders— is now. And here's why. Your gender is sacred. Your race is sacred. 
your gender is sacred. God creates you with a race. He creates you with a gender. It was his purpose, his plan. That is sacred. That's why we don't mess with gender bending. That's why all the problems with sexuality and what to identify. That's why it's so demonic because it comes from the very foundation of what God made as sacred and we're tearing us under. And the church, many churches are cowards and they don't want to say this. And so I'm not egalitarian. I don't want to see that brought into the church because a man can't do everything that a woman or, or a woman can do and a woman can't do everything that a man can do. So essentially what I'm saying is God gives women strengths and responsibilities that only a woman can do within marriage and outside of marriage. And there's strengths and responsibilities that a man has that only a man can do. And when we do that, we reflect God. So the third road is the road that I adhere to. I'm a complementarian. And it's like a woman can lead. I would have a woman speak in my church. I would have a woman on... We have women pastors on our staff, you know, uh, uh, not in every role, but I'm not going to put a woman over men's ministry. That's just weird, right? Just like I'm going to not put a dude over women's ministry. Um, but what we say at our church is a woman can have any any job in our church except for my job, which is I'm the final teaching authority in my church. So anyone who teaches at my church is under my leadership, I, I guess you would say. And that's not God holding women down. He says, Holy Spirit inspired scripture, I think it's 1 Corinthians. He said, it's a picture. The reason why is not because women were less educated. That what, I don't remember the the address in the Bible says, I do not permit a woman to, you know, to have the teaching authority in a church, but blah, blah, blah. Scripture's not blah, 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 but you know what I meant. Um, he gives the reason. He says, because it was the woman that was deceived. That doesn't mean women are easily deceivable. It means that it's a picture of what happened in Genesis. He's telling the Genesis story to us in church. And if, and if women really knew the heart of men, that we really don't want to lead anything, we want to stay home and not leave the house, it's just as much a stretch for men to stand out there to lead as it is for men or for women to trust that leadership. Wow. And that's part of the curse, I think, that we live under until he comes. But Annika, you're more than welcome to come and teach at my church. So, so that doesn't hold her down. It's just, you know. Yeah. And bro, I'm I'm sorry. I, I I could go on and on about this, but no, I think that gives us a, just some insight. And I think what John says all the time is saying he he says let's go back to scripture. Yeah. And so even if um, this is just a conversation that we're having on the podcast, it's another That's hard fine. topic that we're trying to have because we're trying to shine light on hard topics, um, especially as a ministry, as a church. We really believe that there are plenty of churches who are not talking about difficult hard issues. And have we an just, opinion. Right. And have, we have an opinion. Right. And we have to be informed by the Word of God. Right. And, and so can, even, what, let me, even what John just said, I would just encourage you, and he would encourage you, to go back to Scripture and find out for yourself. Right. And I don't want to start a huge thing. I went to a little meeting a couple years ago where there was some lead pastors from other churches who were women. And some guys on my staff were like, ooh, what did John do? You were at a table of lead pastors, and two of them were women. I'm like, I treated them like lead pastors. I'm not in charge of their church. They were godly, spirit-filled women that were in it to win it. It's not my job to go in there and say, oh, you can't do what you're doing. I don't know her story. I don't know 
the whys. I don't know how she got there. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I, that's a small rock issue. The bigger rock is Christ and his kingdom. Now, I have an opinion on the small rocks, but, um, but I don't want that to be a stumbling block. Yeah, no, I think that's good. And I think that just gives us some insight and some things to go look at. And I think even just bringing Genesis 3 back into it, I think that our worldview has to be centered on what happened in Genesis 3 and that Jesus came back to redeem it all, and he's coming back again to establish new heavens and a new earth. And that's right. why we're seeing all the brokenness. That's why we're seeing all of these things is because what happened in Genesis 3. Right. And so I think so many times we look at the world and we think we're more informed, we're more enlightened, and the same the thing is gotta go to scripture. Right. We have to go to scripture. Go to scripture. And, Too many students will come with an opinion that they got from the news, or they got from culture, or their sociology teacher, or the latest woke, you know, rally. And it's like, I don't care about all that stuff. Go and tell me what the Bible says. Go tell me what the Bible says. And then you come back and tell me how do we live that out? How do you live that out? That's you're 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 way safer there. You know, like I said before. You either believe all of it or none of it. And if you don't believe all of it, like if you just choose to believe some of the Bible, then you're forever trying to figure out which kind, you know, what, what, what part of the Bible is true, what's not, and what good is it. So you either believe in inerrancy or not. So you even said, um, you know, on the whole women in ministry thing, you know, because that's in the news. Um, Beth Moore, here's an invitation. You are more than welcome to come preach in my church. You can preach for a month. And I'll sit there and listen. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think sometimes Christians make these huge fights out of stupid things, and it gives the church bad press. It gives Jesus, you know, bad press. He doesn't have a bad name. We don't have to worry right. about that. But it's just dumb, you know, instead of, you know, have, having an opinion on, uh, you know, you know, just trying to light fires and get everyone's rights. And, you know, it all yeah. comes back to, as I said before, I deserve better. Yeah. And, and, and here's one last thing on that, is we have a bad view of what leadership means. Leadership is about serving. That's what it's about. The best leaders in my life were the greatest ser- servants. The greatest leader who ever lived was Jesus, hmm. and he gave himself away. He washed feet. And when I see people arguing about who should be in charge, that's a clue. They don't understand what good leadership is. And so really... You're arguing about who gets to serve the most, who gets to work the longest, work the hard, hardest, sacrifice the most, take all the bullets, take all the hits, and so forth and so on. We have this idea that leadership is being the boss and telling everybody what to do. And those are the worst leaders I've ever encountered in my life. And, and, and really, when you start thinking about it like that, it's uh, Jesus gave the heaviest burden to the dudes. Because if you go back to Genesis... Yeah, it was Eve that had the conversation with the snake. But who was standing right there? Adam. Who was the command first given to not to eat of the fruit of the tree? Adam. Who blamed, or who did, who did God come looking for after they ate of the fruit and they were hiding because they were naked? He didn't come looking for the woman. I've always thought about that. He didn't go, Eve, what did you do? He said to the man, where are you? I made you first. I gave you a charge. I gave you commands. I gave you this beautiful creature, this woman, this azer, the crown jewel of all, she's the prototype of all women. And yeah, she had a conversation with the snake. I'm feeling it, but he came looking for Adam. He put that heavy load on him. And men, 
in marriages and, and in organizations have been trying to put that load on women. You know, they've been trying to offload that and abdicate responsibility and get somebody pregnant and move away. And, you know, and, and we have women that are, give me that burden, give me that. And that's the battle of the sexes and it's dumb. And I just want to die and go to heaven and be done with it. Um, a couple uh, last questions that we're going to ask every podcast. Come on, we're just getting uh, warmed interview. up. <laughs> we're just getting... <laughs> I'm wearing Garrett out here, people. Uh, I'm I'm just nervous that I'm going to wear you out too much. But um, hey, so a couple of questions we're going to ask every person who does an interview is: um, if you were able to go back, however many years, and talk to your young adult self, maybe 18, 20, 21 year old. Uh, young adult self, what one piece of advice would you give yourself? One? Or or two, or just advice in general. Uh, I would tell John Vermilia, age 21, to uh, start leading like a servant um, with his girlfriend um, in his spiritual life, in his group of friends, sooner, and not wait to take responsibility. Um, I would also tell him to get involved in his church and to not think that he had all the answers and that, you know, 2000 years of church history, you know, they were doing it the wrong way. You know, it's all that stuff. If I knew then what I know now that, you know, the scariest moment for me in my life or one of the scariest moments in my life was when a group of people said, um, we want you to be the lead pastor of our church. And after I said yes, I felt like God was saying, hey, tough guy, know it all. Here's a church, you lead it. And I was like, oh, crap. And I found out, oh, that's why they do it that way. Because humans are wicked, including me. We all have sin. Uh, We all need Jesus. Um, None of us are better than anyone else. And we're just trying to follow him as best we can in this messed up, jacked up um, world that we live in. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know even know if that's possible. You know, I might have also told him to invest in this thing called Amazon <laughs> that was coming out, you know, or yeah. the interwebs. Right. You know, that it was a real thing. An Apple. Yeah, so, yeah, this Apple, just put a little money in there. That'd have been nice. Yeah, no, I think that would have been nice. Uh, if there were one resource that you would recommend to young adults, what would it be? Besides the Bible. Uh, you saw me go. <laughs> I, saw, I saw your eyes, and oh, I was like, man. oh, no. It's like just going to... Well, bro, that's because like... The Bible. Like, like we have this Jesus thing at our... church. answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, uh, um, like we have this thing at my church, this men's group called Fight, Fight Club, and there's a lot of fight clubs that have started as a result, especially all over Canada. I've had a chance to preach at Promise Keepers in Canada, and a lot of guys are starting fight clubs, and we're not the first church to call the men's group fight club, but we wrestle with God, we wrestle with uh, his word, we wrestle with our flesh, and we wrestle with one another. Um, and um, guys are always saying, hey, what book should we read? You know, should we read like a men's book or should we read, you know? And I'm like, how about you just read the Bible? <laughs> there's 66 books and I don't know them all yet. And there's enough to keep you busy till you die, you know? But um, I don't know. I mean, right up on your shelf, you have the Master Plan of Evangelism. If you're going to do ministry, that's a great book to read. Um, I'm a big fan of biographies, you know, of um, of leaders because I'm in leadership, you know. I guess like that. Um, 
another resource that was really helpful for me when I was really first got serious about my faith is I started journaling my spiritual life. I don't do it now because now it's natural. But just like a workout program, when you first start, you got to track it, you got to make a plan, you got to follow it. And I think disciplines are good. And so I think uh, disciplining your prayer life, discipline your giving life, discipline scripture, discipline um, ministry, not to keep track as if look how great I am, but that can help you, you know, I'm not the homeschool guy that's got a journal at age 49. No offense to homeschool guys with journals, but tracking that I think is, is, is huge. And, you know, as far as my favorite devotional, uh, there's a little uh, classic called my utmost for his highest that I still reread chambers. Yes. Oswald Chambers. It just crushes you. And there's been a bridged, you know, there's one for every day and those are awesome. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if that helps. No, I think that's good. Yeah, just and I think that's something that we love to do, especially um, young adults. They have a lot of time to devote to stuff like that, and just trying to put some resources in their hands is something that we want to just. You know, here's another them. one. Since you said in 2019, podcasts. Yeah, and not just interview ones, but I like finding one or two or three guys that preach that I trust, whose voice that I like. Now, now, just don't focus on one, or you become right. this little disciple, this little right. fanboy or fangirl of some or something. But maybe from two different, and those are great when you run, or when you're working out, or when you're yeah. driving, or cleaning the house, or you're doing Do you whatever. Could you just share with like one or two preachers that, that you would say, "Hey, these are guys that preach the word that I trust." Do you have anybody in in mind? Uh, I think my favorite is a guy named Alistair Begg. B-E-G-G, Scottish. Can you, you have yeah. to do your impression. This is of- the Lord, this, this is God's word, <laughs> you know, and uh, um, he's he's out of Cleveland, Ohio, and, you know, I'm a I'm a soccer guy, so I love all the British accents, and he's easy to listen to. I listen to him in the hunting stand sometime. He's a great expositor of the word, but at the same time, uh, this guy's not my style, but Andy Stanley's one of the most gifted communicators on the planet. Just about anything. He's, his voice is a little shrill for me. Uh, oh, this is going on the airways. But he's such a great communicator. I love to listen to him. Yeah. You know, I used to live in a guy named Mark Driscoll back in the day because he just spoke to men. And I know there's controversy about Driscoll, but the guy can preach. Yeah. And he never preached heretically, you know. Yeah. So, but, you know, I'm sure Encounter has a podcast. Listen to this. Um, our church, we... We uh, stream every sermon that we do. Um, if, if you Google the Buckley Tabernacle, you'll find us. And, and sometimes it's not the obvious ones. You know, you just find a, you know, this, you know, stay caught up on the series. That's good. Do you have any podcasts that you listen to? Um, mostly I listen to um, sermons by my old home church um, that's, Jubilee Fellowship Church in uh, Lone Tree, several locations, but mainly out of Lone Tree, Colorado. And his sermons and the array of speakers that they have are really fantastic and and give you a lot of diversity within one church, which I think is really awesome. Yeah. And also, I th- I believe that uh, whenever this podcast comes out or soon there for after, we'll also be having a, a podcast for our church. So you'll be able to tune in to not only encounter sermons, but also be able to tune into the weekend services that we have here at Celebration Community Church. And we really uh, just believe that if you're in Hayes, Kansas, we'd love for you to not only to come to encounter, but get plugged into Ooh, I got our another home one. church. Okay. I got another one. I don't know if it's a 
I think it's a podcast, but we got YouTubers. For kicks and giggles, probably the best voice that you can listen to is Dr. Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias, R-A-V-I. I had the privilege of having him as a seminary professor because he doesn't teach a lot of seminary, but he did one time to my knowledge, and I got to be in that class. And he is a defender of the faith, and he almost exclusively, get this, Fort Hayes, almost exclusively now doesn't necessarily preach, but he goes to college campuses, uh, non-Christian college campuses, and answers questions. And if you just YouTube him on just about any topic, he gives the most Christ-like, winsome, wise, biblical answers um, and I've never seen him tripped up and he's just, he's, he's been called the CS Lewis of our day, yeah. which also you, you'd ask the number one resource. Now that I think about it is the number one resource outside of the Bible. If I was on a desert Island, it would be a copy of mere Christianity. Yeah. CS Lewis. That's, 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 that's my go-to. I try to reread it every couple of years. Um, haven't in a while, but that has shaped my theology more than any other single resource. Yeah, I think anything by Lewis as well. But that's like some, his magnum opus. Yes. You know, that yeah, puts it all that's good. Uh, um, John, we just want to say thank you so much for your time today, and thank you for those of um, who have listened into the podcast and to John. If there were a way that our listeners could connect with you, how would they do that, whether that's your website or do you are you on social media? How would, how would our listeners connect oh, with you? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can spell my name however you want, but if you don't spell it right, you won't find me. But um, it's uh, I'm John with an H, Vermilia, V-E-R-M-I-L-Y-A. I'm on Twitter. Um, I got a Facebook. I'm not on the Instagram yet because I don't like to take a lot of pictures of my dessert and put it on <laughs> social media, you know, pictures. I got to take a selfie. You know, I'm not that guy. But um, try to use those outlets uh, to fuel people. Um, and then, of course, um, our church website, thetabchurch.com. Um it's short for tabernacle, um, but uh, and if you're ever in northern Michigan, beautiful northern Michigan, we have more hills than Kansas. Um, please, st- you know, come for a service. Um, we have a Saturday night, three on Sunday, and then uh, make sure to stay after and go four days day tigers or whatever it is, <laughs> and then we'll hang out and I'll buy you coffee or something like that. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you for listening to the Encounter YA podcast. Check out our show notes to connect with John and to find the links to the resources mentioned. Join us next week for a new episode and be sure to connect with us in the meantime on social media at encounter underscore C3.